Hello, and thank you for tuning in to a special edition of AC23, the weekly radio show and podcast of the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge. I'm Renee Chatelaine, your guest host today, and we will be exploring Accessible Arts, a new series of programs that provides uniquely designed, inclusive opportunities for our community. The Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge's mission is to foster the creative capacity and vibrancy of the capital region through advocacy, resources, and education. As Baton Rouge and the Capital Region's official arts agency, we partner with businesses, organizations, municipalities, and school districts, advocating for art and artists in our community. We award thousands of dollars in grants to arts organizations throughout our state and lead national initiatives like Creative Relief, an emergency preparation and response arts program. We partner with community organizations, individual artists, and arts educators to bring all disciplines of the arts to our region in new and innovative ways. And now we also offer physical space to create and to gather at the Carrie Siraj Community Arts Center located in downtown Baton Rouge. We know that the arts can bring freedom, beauty, and joy into your life. This is an amazing time to live in the capital region, and there are so many exciting ways to engage with the arts. So check out our website, artsbr.org, to find something that's just right for you. Today's guest is Caitlin O'Dell, a dancer and adaptive dance instructor working in East Baton Rouge, Ascension, and Tangipahoa parishes, providing dance instruction to students who, until now, may have had barriers to dance due to a physical or mental disability. Caitlin, along with Bailey Floyd, will lead the Arts Council's Dance for All a six-week dance workshop and performance opportunity for children ages five and up who may have physical or mental disabilities and who, most of all, love to dance. This program is made possible through the support from the Irene W. and C.B. Pennington Family Foundation. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. Caitlin, I know that we met during the planning phase of Dance for All where the Arts Council had created a cohort for dance leaders across South Louisiana to share and build inclusive dance programming, as well as collaborate with Nashville Ballet and New York City Ballet in order to learn and share techniques in this very specialized dance instruction. I should mention to our listeners that Dance for All cohort members also include dance teachers and directors from Lafayette, East Baton Rouge, Ascension, and Orleans Parishes. But today we have Caitlin, who can give us a real perspective on what it's like to be in the classroom. Let's talk a little bit about how you got into dance in the first place, Caitlin, and how you got interested in teaching adaptive dance. I started dancing when I was four years old, just as um, extracurricular after school. It grew into something that I was absolutely in love with. I started competing in middle school, competed throughout high school. And then my senior year of high school, I got the opportunity to teach a couple classes. Well, what comes along with that is to to deal with um, certain children. And God brought some very special kids into my life that year. And I got the opportunity to work with a little one who was um, visually impaired. So I had to figure out different ways to engineer how to communicate with her and how to um, adapt the instruction and ballroom system to her unique needs. Well, from there, we had more and more interest at the studio I was at, and it just grew into having their very own class 
from there. Unfortunately, that first studio shut down, so I brought that program into another studio in Gonzales, and it's just exploded from there, and it's an absolute blessing to get to work with these children. I think it's so special that, um, Caitlin, you're a part of our community, that when you had this person who had a particular need or, you know, what some people may see as a barrier, that you instead immediately adapted the instruction so that that person could enjoy dance like you and I do. I know I'm from a dance background as well, and I fell in love with it at five years old in the same way that you did. And, um, you know, why not give every single person that opportunity? So thank you for being that interested and sensitive to somebody else's needs so we could share what we really, really love to do. Absolutely. Tell us about what goes into preparing now that you've done this What goes into preparing an adaptable dance class? Um, I try to focus on, yes, the the technique of a class and staying within a structure, ballet, creative movement, either rhythm rhythm, um, exploration or maybe tap, a different style within there. Um, But the main thing to remember is to be adaptable with the class itself. So you can have a set schedule and you can have a set lesson plan, but it just depends on who's going to show up for class, how those kids are feeling that day. Um, One thing might go perfectly well first the first week and then the next week kiddo's not having it. So you got (laughs) to rework it, uh, backtrack and try something else. But you always find something fun to do in class. I loved especially that you talk about technique because everyone deserves to have a quality dance experience and it we don't necessarily want to dummy down that experience because maybe you don't see or hear or you have autism or maybe you have cerebral palsy. Everyone deserves to have that quality and quantitative level of training. Um, so I really appreciate that you adapt it so that everyone gets that opportunity. Right. I say that with unique needs comes unique ways to move. So, so amazing. And, you know, when we think about it, all of us are quite unique. Right. So even the way we receive information um, on any other level of life, um, we need to be open to adaptation and open to communication in diverse ways. So that's terrific. Um Speaking of diversity of communications, when you have, um, I would imagine when you have a visually impaired student, that your verbal instruction becomes much more detailed. Um, What about spatial design in the room? How do people move around in the room that may otherwise not be be familiar with the space? We try to allow a few minutes before class, either before class starts or right at the beginning of class to allow children to kind of explore the room and kind of figure it out on their own. But they're also paired with a buddy that is able-bodied and that can help them throughout the room. And then, like you said, my verbal cues are very detailed when it goes into that. And I like to use all the, the total communication, say it, sign it, do it. So everyone can see it, everyone can hear it, and everyone can do it for themselves. So they kind of just walk around, explore, and then go from there. That's amazing. So talk about your volunteers, because I know that we've had some interest from high schools who have dance programs who want to volunteer for our Dance for All program. How do you prepare those volunteers so that they um, can, can do what you do so well, but also with a lot of training? I know you've had a lot of you seek out a lot of education in this realm. Um, what can volunteers expect or, or how, how do they benefit from the program? Um, I think that volunteers could benefit from the program just to see another side of dance and see um, a different way of looking at 
the dance world. Um, when it comes to volunteers, uh, you really just need to be very patient, very calm, and uh, willing to adapt with the class, depending on how the kid that you're uh, paired with is doing that day. Um, the main thing to know is Disabilities 101, you know, um, know a little bit about the disability that your your student is going to have, and then also know, like, use person-first language instead of identity-first language, or not allowing the disability of the child defining the child, let the child define itself, that kind of thing. Just very open-minded, very patient, very willing to learn and adapt with the program. So interesting you used a term, is it person? Person first. Person first. Give us an example of that. So instead of an autistic child, it would be a child living with autism. Or instead of a blind child, it would be a child living with a visual impairment. Just so it's, a, she's a person first rather than her disability before her name. That's such a good note, even in life, right. outside of the studio, <laughs> right? right? Um, and I know we use the pronoun she, which you know, <laughs> as two women, I love that. Right. But uh, boys and girls are welcome in this class. Is Absolutely. that right? That's terrific. And I know that um, we start at age five, but we go up because mm-hmm. um, even if you're 23 years old, you may be in the older dance class for the first time. And, and I think based on cognitive abilities, it may be a perfectly comfortable place for you. Can you, can you talk about the levels a bit? Um, we kind of base our levels on how the class looks at the beginning. We'll kind of, we'll definitely go over the basics, but with the six week program, you'll be able to progress with the class. So, um, it doesn't matter if you have any dance experience or if you have a ton of dance experience, it's always good to go back to those basics and starting at the beginning and then throughout the six weeks, working up to a new goal or a goal that you've never set for yourself before, just, Kind of, there's a baseline, and then we go from there. And if we start the class and it's a higher level, then we'll rework the class for the next week and start training at a higher level. That's wonderful. You know, I think um, if you're not a dancer, if you're listening and you're not a dancer, dancers train their whole lives. It's it's not something that we do. And I think I think a lot of artists do that. It's constantly really about process and practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's never a class where I think you feel like, wow, I've done all of this, check it off. I never have to revisit it. I mean, I think as, as artists, we always revisit from basics to very complex um, parts of our artistry. Um, so I think probably the same thing happens in this class as well. It's a good right. example on levels. But we do divide up, I think, ages 5 to 10. 11. To 5 11, to 11. Yeah. And then 12 and up. Right. Yeah. So, um, so it is, as you said, a six-week course, um, and it's here at the Carrie Siraj Community Arts Center. And so um, at the end of the six weeks, talk to us about the exciting thing that will happen on December 1st. So on December 1st, there is a lights festival um, in the community, and the kiddos that are going to be experiencing dance in this six-week program will kind of cultivate all of their um, uh I guess their skills, their that skills, they learned, what they've their, learned, yes. yeah, what they've learned in the performance at the lights uh, festival at the beginning of December, and it'll just kind of be a fun, simple, 
exciting performance for them to just show off what they've worked on. I think it's so great. So um, I think, Caitlin, this will be your first time at the Festival of yes. Lights in downtown Baton Rouge. But um, for those of us, uh, for those listeners in the Baton Rouge area, you know that's quite a tradition here where we have 20,000 people at least who come in and see the lighting of the Christmas tree, meet Santa. But it's a big community festival event. So we were thrilled that Dance for All could be a participant and the participants in this class could contribute as performers, just like so many other people do during the course of that Festival of Lights. So we're really excited about that December 1st event. Um, So I know that you are currently seeking a degree in physical therapy. Yes. At LSU. Yes. Terrific. And, um, but you also... You also received some certification, a certification this summer. I know that the Dance for All um, program, funded by the Pennington Family Foundation, was able to, to provide you with a grant. Um, but you had signed up for Boston Ballet's Adaptive Dance Certification. Yes, ma'am. Boston Ballet is such a renowned, world, world-renowned ballet company. Mm-hmm. But I know that they have a very intense adaptive dance certification. So can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. It was a two-day training, and it was from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., so you were very right. It was very intense. It's a lot of um, lectures um, about, you know, like I talked about, Disabilities 101, um, all the different types, the typical types of disabilities that you might see in a class, autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, Um, muscular dystrophy, just talking about all the different things that you might see and then how you can use the training that we have as dancers and then have um, OTs, PTs, SLPs, all the professionals in those fields, how they can contribute to classes. And it was just an incredible experience just to watch these people that were so passionate about what they were doing in Boston and taking that information that I was learning and being able to bring it back to Louisiana. Like, that's such a big gap. And you could never, it's it's crazy. It was crazy. I so love that you took part in that. And I know that our dance cohort, we mentioned that there are instructors across all of South Louisiana, participated in... um, a training and exchange of ideas with Nashville Ballet, who also has an adaptive program. And, um, and then you participated with us with a workshop, um, or really, it was really a conversation with their education. New York City Ballet has an adaptive dance workshop series. Mm -hmm. And we all were able to share our experience and our, our knowledge with each other and share ideas that we can take and, I think that's so wonderful because then we're able to spread a network um, as we learn and grow in this part of dance and dance instruction. Um, so tell me, um, what expertise, I know, I know that all the teachers we have now um, are either physical therapists, occupational therapists, or they're in school to obtain those degrees, um, and then we have professional dancers. Some some of that is combined, right? They're both. Right. Um, I know you're among those have, having a dual profession. What does the expertise of physical therapy bring to this adaptive dance class? Physical therapy is a whole discipline on movement, alignment, coordination within the body. And dance, when you think about ballet, that's when you learn movement 
coordination, control of the body. So there's a lot of overlap with simple plie, tendue, fondue, all the very slow controlled movements. You can see those in PT exercises. Um, so taking a PT with the PT mind and a dancer with a dancer mind, you can kind of combine those and have kind of the perfect storm of a dance curriculum that focuses a lot on the parts of the body that might need extra help and coordination, especially with children with disabilities, but for anybody that is struggling even with a little weakness on the left arm, well, you can go to dance class and they can give you port-a-bras exercises and you can strengthen through there, but you can also know with the PT side, oh, they're working their delts and their traps and their bicep, like they're working all these different muscles and you can see that in dance and PT and just having both of those professions, they're not quite professions yet for me, but um, those experiences and those um, interests is a perfect mix in dance for all because you get you get the exercises and then you get the movement quality of dance. Well, and I'm sure with, I know Bailey Floyd is a co-teacher with you for the six-week dance for all program and she's an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can speak about what occupational therapy is as opposed to physical therapy. Um, from what I understand, I've done a little bit of research into occupational therapy, but from what I understand, it's very much lifestyle stuff. So, um, brushing their hair, using fine motor skills in their fingers, um, mimicking movements, learning dance combinations requires mimicking movements. That's a lot of occupational therapy. And then socialization between children is another big part of occupational therapy, learning how to communicate and socialize in a social environment like a dance class. Well, so we are so fortunate at the Arts Council that we have you, um, who you're in training to be a physical therapist, and then we have Bailey, who is an occupational therapist, and I believe working at the Emerge Center doing her Mm -hmm. residency. So it's so fortunate for us that these children who participate in this dance class will have dance instructors who also have an eye on, let's say, the medical field, right? right? On on how they can be incorporating some of the skill sets uh, that come from occupational and physical therapy into dance, which you and I know is a very natural thing, but you can bring some intention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love the idea, and I'm going to steal this uh, idea from Bailey, who mentioned it, that Um, often these children who may have muscular dystrophies or may have other um, physical impairments that require um, a clinic, a therapy session, Mm -hmm. it's so great as a child to come to dance class rather rather than being in a clinical setting. Right. Um, And so it's our hope with people like you that we can marry those, that they're getting what they need from physical and occupational therapy requirements based on their diagnosis in the dance class. Mm-hmm. Will you, uh, what information do you need to know from parents or from guardians who bring their kids in prior to the class? It's really we're, whatever you're comfortable with us knowing. Of course, we want to know if your child might need some one-on-one aid. Do we need to provide them with their very specific one helper? Do they, 
communicate in a certain way? Do they use an AAC device? Do they use American Sign Language? Do they talk verbally? Do they not talk verbally? That's okay. Like, we'll figure it out as we go. Um, Do they have, do they tend to get overstimulated? And how do you mediate that? How do you stop that from happening too often? Um, What are your signs for when they're getting overstimulated so that we can watch out for them and kind of turn on the music or turn on the lights when we need to. Just have they experienced an extracurricular like something like this before? Did they enjoy it? That kind of thing. Are they um, good with new environments, new people, or do they take a little while to warm up to new spaces? Do we need to allow them space to figure things out, or do they like to um, have somebody walk in with them? Just... All those, all those sensitivities. I love it. Caitlin, I'm so glad you got to join us today. And I'm so grateful that Dance for All will be launching on October 1st. It's not too late to register if you're listening and you'd like more information on Dance for All, as well as some of our other adaptive dance and educational offerings. Go to our website at artsbr.org or call us at 225-344-8558. A reminder that the Louisiana Arts Summit, a statewide arts and business conference, will take place October 4th through 6th at the Cary Sarach Community Arts Center, produced in partnership with the Louisiana Division of the Arts. From nationally renowned guest speakers to relevant topics and meaningful networking, join us at the summit. And join us especially if you'd like to get to know Caitlin better and hear more about the Dance for All program. This episode considers ways that the arts includes everyone, and that means you. If you are interested in being a member of the Arts Council, you can also go to our website or give us a call. Thank you for tuning in to this special edition of AC23. I'm so grateful, Caitlin, for the gift that you are giving people in Louisiana and beyond uh, through dance. I'm so grateful to Bailey Floyd, who will also be joining us. And again, if you would like to register, you can go to our website, www.artsbr.org, or you can call us, 225-344-8558. Don't forget to look up the Art Summit as well. And we want to thank everyone today for listening. Thank you, Caitlin, again for coming. And we're thanking you for tuning in to this special edition of AC23. Pam Bordelon will be returning as your host for our 250th broadcast next week. For Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge, I'm Renee Chatelaine. I wish you lots of art, inspiration, and joy. Thanks for joining us.